The risk of accidental falls is greater in people with lower limb loss than in their able-bodied peers. Most popular strategies to mitigate injuries from such falls include technical solutions that prevent falls or protect vulnerable body segments from destructive forces. Fall training is another effective intervention, but little evidence on its use in prosthesis users has been published. Hi, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to Episode 9 of OMP Research Insights, presented by the American Academy of Orthodox and Prosthetists. I'm Dr. Steve Gard, Editor-in-Chief for the Journal of Prosthetics and Orthotics. My guests today are Mr. Charles Noble, MSPO, CPO, and Dr. Goran Fiedler, PhD, OTM. Mr. Noble graduated from the University of Pittsburgh with a Master of Science degree in ONP and completed ONP residencies with Hanger Clinic in Columbia, South Carolina. He was the recipient of the ninth annual Edwin and Catherine Arbogast Award at the 2019 AOPA National Assembly in San Diego, California, and is now part of the Pediatric Specialist Network with Hanger Clinic. Dr. Fiedler practiced as a clinical prosthetist and orthodist with a German Meister degree for several years before taking up his academic studies. He obtained graduate degrees in clinical engineering from the University of Applied Sciences in Giessen, Germany in 2008, and in health sciences from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee in 2012. His postdoctoral training took him to the University of Washington in Seattle. Since 2014, Dr. Fiedler has been serving as faculty in the MSPO program at the University of Pittsburgh, currently in the rank of associate professor. His research interests include the optimization of prescription and fit alignment of prosthetic devices. Beyond that, Dr. Fiedler is always interested in whatever capstone research the University of Pittsburgh MSPO students are pursuing in a given year. Today, we will be discussing a recent article that Charles and Gorn published in JPO entitled, Preparing for the Worst or Hoping for the Best, The State of Fall Training in Prosthesis Users. So welcome to the podcast, Charles and Gorn. Thank you, Dr. Gorn. Thanks for the invitation. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here and discuss your paper that you published in JPO. And if I may, I'd like to actually start out with some background information for your study. According to the Centers for, for Disease Control and Prevention, falls are a leading cause of fatal injury in older adults. One in four able-bodied adults older than 65 years fall every year. The risk of falls is higher in people with lower limb loss. It has been reported that more than 52% of this population experience at least one fall every year, which is over twice the rate of able-bodied elderly individuals. Transfemoral limb loss is associated with greater fall risk than transtibial limb loss, and people who have had their prostheses for less than four years are at a greater fall risk than those who have had it over four years. So I just wanted to start out by asking you, what are your impressions of these data? Yeah, uh, and thank you again, Dr. Gard, for, for having myself and Dr. Fiedler on. I um, really appreciate the invitation to be a part of the podcast. Uh, and yeah, I think the, the the statistics are pretty you know eye-opening, especially when talking about our patients that we serve being these lower extremity um, amputees. And I think as, a, as an allied health field, we do tend to be hyper-focused on preventing falls, you know, whether that's from 
training from physical therapy uh, off the gate, you know, after an amputation, um, or is, you know, the, the prosthetic componentry that we look at with these patients. Uh, I believe Dr. Stevens and Dr. Waterman uh, published an article back in 2019 looking at some prosthetic componentry and microprocessor knees in K2 individuals. And again, that's more looking at uh, preventing the falls. And I think if we can look at um, fall training is, you know, just teaching these, these patients how to properly fall and prevent that serious injury, that in conjunction with fall prevention, I think will lead to the kind of the best outcomes for these patients. There's, a, of course, uh, another aspect to that, that whole topic, not just the falls themselves, but also the, the fear of falling, which is a justified fear based on those numbers, on the statistics that you talked about. Uh, so, so folks with a lower limb prosthesis uh, are justifiably afraid that they might fall. And that alone, even without it ever happening, will slow them down. And so I think there's another aspect or another um, argument for helping them maybe be less fearful uh, just to be able uh, to live to, up to their full potential. So, so that, that, that all goes into that equation. So that's a very good point, Goran, in that fear of falling relates to uh, quality of life, that people, whenever a lot of lower limb uh, prosthesis users, whenever they ambulate, the constant fear of falling may inhibit them from enjoying life the way that they should. Right. They would say, well, I never fall, fell down and, and, and years of having a prosthesis, but I also never left the house. So, I mean, what, what good is that? Exactly. Now, you all touched on, uh, of course, the fall training aspect. And something that I was a little surprised at when I read your article was the purpose of fall training. Because I was thinking, well, the purpose of fall training is to prevent people from falling. But in fact, it, it actually means something a little bit different. So, uh, and what is that? Yeah, well, obviously there are some serious, you know, health complications with falls as, as well as healthcare costs that come with the falls. So the idea of fall training is to teach these patients how to fall properly and safely to prevent injury from a fall. Um, and I think that's really what we were looking at in, in the research study is not only what percentage of, of our patients are receiving fall training, but then also does that correlate to a serious injury um, of the fall? And that's something we, we could probably get into a little bit later, but, but that's the idea. And so why does this topic interest both of you? Yeah, well, I think for me, um, before kind of diving into orthotics and prosthetics, I was kind of going down the route for uh, physical therapy. Uh, so spent a lot of time in and out of the, the physical therapy realm and clinics uh, until I did discover ONP through an internship um, in a physical therapy setting, a rehab setting. And I think that conjunction of the entire allied health field is, is what's really intriguing to me. That's kind of what we've seen as the gold standard for rehab is, is getting everybody in the picture together. So the, the physical therapists, the orthodox and prosthetists, the, the doctors in these rehab settings, making sure everybody's on the same page. We tend to see the best patient outcomes that way. And I think, um, especially when we started looking at the literature and seeing that there was a gap uh, when it comes to fall training, um, in the literature, especially with lower extremity amputees, that was what really intrigued me. 
Yeah, for me is um, well. First of all, as you already mentioned in the introduction, and thanks for that. I'm always interested in what our students uh, come up with uh, for capstone research. So when Charles brought forth this this idea, I, I thought, of course, by default that that's great. But uh, when I thought more about it, I, I think it is another really uh, compelling topic where it is possible to make quite an impact with very little. Um, financial or even timely effort. Uh, of course, we all have the aim of improving the outcomes for our patients, but if that means they now have to get a prosthesis that is 10 times as expensive as the, the conventional leg, that, of course, uh, makes it somewhat uh, problematic to apply this to everybody. But an intervention like fall training doesn't really have to cost a fortune and can potentially, again, based on our findings, improve outcomes still to quite some degree. Maybe not as much as as having you know a robotic prosthesis or something, but but still every little bit counts, especially if it is something that is universally applicable. So I, I soon thought, well, that that is really an, a prime example of of some intervention like that that is really um, having a lot of potential and could be utilized much more. And so, what was the purpose of your study? Yeah, so the real purpose of the study, um, and we'll probably talk about it with the methods, is we, we wanted just to to implement a survey to determine what percentage of our patient population was receiving fall training. And then hopefully we were going to try to correlate that to those that received fall training. And if they did not, did they then, were they at a higher risk of recording a fall um, and then also a fall with a serious injury? And and as a secondary analysis, we're looking into predictors that, that would help us understand why some people do get fall training and elbow stone. And then I guess that would be the first uh, point to to implement that in the clinic and, and try to yeah, make that more widespread. And so uh, did you have any hypotheses or expectations going into the study on what you would find? Yeah, I would say a lot of it would be more that anecdotal evidence, uh, just from talking with patients, uh, talking with physical therapists around the area. I believe there was some discrepancy in those that received false training, but probably not to the extent that we ended up seeing later on in the study. Uh, but I, I would say went into the the research study thinking there there was some some gap. Well, let's jump into the methods here a little bit. Would you please describe the uh, protocol for your study? Yeah, so originally it started as more of a literature review, just looking at what was already out there, uh, what research studies have looked at, uh, fall training, um, fall prevention, and there were some studies looking at uh, fall training and fall prevention more in the older geriatric population, but very little with the lower extremity amputee population. So that's when it transitioned to more of the survey-based study. We started out with an approval through the IRB board at the University of Pittsburgh. Once we got the approval from the IRB at, at Pitt, we then submitted this survey through the Amputee Coalition's website and social media page. So survey was just some basic demographic questions, asked things like height, weight, gender, and then some other questions such as level of amputation, um, exercise throughout the week, how long they've had their prosthesis, you know, when, when their initial amputation was and if they've had revisions, and then kind of those more probing questions that we were really looking at, have they received training to to properly fall to prevent injury. Um, And then if they had, we were hoping to also find out where they received that training from. Was it a physical therapist, which in a lot of cases it seemed to be? Was it their prosthetist? Um, And then we also talked a little bit in our our, our, um, 
our introduction about martial arts and Tai Chi classes and how those can actually be implemented in ways too for, for fall training. So that was another option that they could choose from. Uh, and then we asked questions such as if they've fallen within the prior three months of taking the survey, and then if so, were they hospitalized as a result? And, and using that as kind of a gauge for a serious injury. Um, and then from that survey, we, we recorded the data and, uh, and kind of looked at, you know, what percentage of our patients received that type of training. And then uh, I mentioned already the, the kind of secondary analysis. Uh, we, we were kind of wondering how many people would already have reported a fall there. It turned out to be a very small number so that we weren't really able to do some of those significance testing that we had initially thought we would do. But uh, the, the logistic regression analysis was um, done to kind of try and find predictors for uh, receiving or not receiving fall training during, during rehabilitation. So what were the demographics of the uh, individuals who responded to your survey? So the demographics of the study, they were average age of around mid-50s. I think 53 was the average age, uh, seven years post-op, with uh, about 60% being transtibial amputees. And then the in inclusion criteria for, for these patients or for the respondents of the study, it was just lower extremity amputees over the age of 18 and English-speaking. And, and maybe one... Fun fact that we had 180 responses, which I think is, is pretty high com compared to many other studies. So we were kind of happy about that. Yeah, that's excellent on the number of respondents that you got. And so what was the what were the primary findings uh, from your survey? Yeah, so I'd say the kind of the most eye-opening was the response to the question where have they received fall training since the amputation? And about 69% had responded that they had received no fall training since the amputation. So we thought that was, was higher than we really anticipated. Um, also found that around a third had recorded a fall within the last three months, which is kind of on par with what the CDC rec, um, or states as far as lower extremity amputees over the course of the year um, being about 50%. Uh, we weren't able to correlate the, the fall training with seriousness of injury of a fall due to only one respondent who had fallen recorded a hospitalization. But uh, we did find there was a significant correlation between those that had received physical therapy and the physical therapy then uh, correlating to the fall training that they received. So they were about four times more likely to have received some type of fall training if they were in physical therapy since their amputation. And I'm just curious, did you notice a correlation between the incidence of falls and the level of amputation? That's a good question. I don't believe that there was a, a correlation between the two in this study. Um, I think that might've just been because the um, sample size was so small. Um, as you can imagine, um, you would imagine, you would believe, you know, that there would be a correlation between the two. But I think in this study, um, there there was not a correlation between the two. Uh, and but going off of that, there we did look at the patient's level of amputation and if they received fall training, and that also did not correlate. As you can imagine, you would think being a, a higher level of amputee or a bilateral amputee, you might have a uh, 
been more exposed to some type of fall training just because you're more at risk of a fall. But this study didn't show a correlation to that either. Were there any unanticipated surprises in your findings? And if so, can you explain them? Yeah, I think really what we just touched on uh, being the fact that level of amputation didn't correlate to receiving fall training. And, and neither did the the amount of time that has passed since they had their amputation. So, you know, with the the technology that has increased over time, you know, one might believe that somebody who's had a an amputation more recently might have been in a you know a little bit more up to date rehab facility. They might have been exposed to a fall training regimen, but we we didn't find a correlation between you know either the level of amputation or the length of time that's passed since the initial amputation. I don't know if that fits here. Just um, one one uh, of the findings were or, or things we learned were that uh, some of the questions could have been asked differently, and there's still a lot of additional research that uh, should be done to really get in a more granular view of what exactly constitutes um, a fall or a serious fall. Or um, I guess one of the the things that occurred to us fairly late was, um, of course, we asked them if they fall have fallen, that doesn't necessarily relate to the fall training. As we mentioned earlier, the fall training is pretty much intended to uh, mitigate the severity of a fall, but not necessarily uh, avoid a fall altogether. So the, the, the questions could have been optimized, and so we, uh, we think there's additional work to be done to, uh, as always, more, more questions. So that wasn't quite anticipated. Uh, well, I'm glad you touched on that, Gorn, because uh, I was going to ask, too, did you encounter any notable problems in the course of your study, what would you have done differently? Yeah, I think Dr. Fiedler mentioned a good point with the questions. Uh, there were some discrepancies between where they received fall training and, and who maybe they received it from. So they answered a question in the survey whether or not they received fall training. And then if they did, they were prompt to, prompted to answer where they received the training from. So we had some responses that recorded not receiving training, but then they did re record receiving it from physical therapy. So there could have been some confusion with that. Um, some some people might have thought that physical therapy was the fall training, which that wasn't necessarily the intent of, of the study. So I think some rephrasing of some questions. Also, we talked about prosthetic componentry. We didn't ask anything about what type of components they were using uh, any of the participants. So I think that could be intriguing moving forward to looking at a similar type study uh, and also in regards to to maybe what type of prosthetic components that they have. You know, if they have microprocessor components, or are they mechanical and then how that factors in? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, a study has limitations like every other uh, research study will have in some form or other. It's probably difficult to do a prospective study where you randomize the fall training or not, and, and that would probably not be approved from an ethical point of view. So uh, the, the only thing that I guess could be improved on that is really to have a larger sample and have maybe the uh, more fine uh, granular um, assessment of the fall training that you have received. So you touched on some recommendations for future research directions. I mean, do you have any other recommendations that you could offer if someone is interested in doing this themselves, or do you all have plans to continue this work further? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I think it, it does need to be expanded on because even from just this kind of introductory research study, we did find um, a, a gap in 
in the field. So I think it should be researched further. Um, looking at those prosthetic components, I think could be really intriguing. And then also like Dr. Fiedler mentioned, trying to get a little bit bigger uh, sample size, but I think that would improve outcomes altogether. If we could not, like I said earlier, not be so hyper-focused on fall prevention, um, but just knowing that this patient population is at risk of a fall and, and what can we do to equip our patients, you know, with the best prosthetic components, fall safety, and then, you know, whatever type of intervention it looks like, just making sure that they have the, the knowledge and the skill set to, to prevent injuries from falls. And, and yeah, looking into um, the type of uh, fall training, and there's probably differences between the different options there and also the, the dosage, um, if you want to name it like that, that would be most effective. Uh, of course, at some point, it also becomes a time and cost factor. So I guess there's some uh, happy medium there where it's, uh, it's just doing um, the optimum um, amount of, of, of good on, on somebody without overly burdening them uh, as they go through this training. So many more questions to answer. That's good. Yeah, typically research just simply results in more questions to, to explore. One of the things I always like to ask is, did you receive any funding to conduct this study? No, there was no compensation um, for this study. But uh, Charles, of course, get, did get an award for that, so he kind of came out ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Yeah, but it's always interesting to hear, you know, you hear of a, about a study like this and then find out was there some sort of financial, you know, support or was it essentially institutional support that enabled this work to be conducted? So we talked over each other after. <laughs> that's a nice thing with our uh, capstone uh, student uh, projects that are in many cases really um, just well suited to be conducted with uh, low budget or no budget at all and still yield this uh, impactful finding. So very excited about uh, this sort of thing. Yeah, no, I was going to just uh, just chime in, you know, exactly what you said. I appreciate University of Pittsburgh. This is kind of where it all it all started. So uh, appreciate Dr. Fiedler. And then like you mentioned, all these research studies that start with a question. So it was really a question I asked a, a professor while at the University of Pittsburgh was, do we typically teach our patients how to fall and get back up after falls? And I thought it was an intriguing question. So um, something that we wanted to look more into. That's good. Very nice work. So uh, thank you for joining us here today. As we uh, start wrapping things up here, we've uh, we've come to the end of our podcast. So I'd like to thank Mr. Noble and Dr. Fiedler for sharing their insights and discussing the research with us. I'd like to remind everyone that if you would like additional information on this project, you can access the full article about this study in the Journal of Prosthetics and Orthotics. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of OMP Research Insights presented by the American Academy of Orthodists and Prosthetists. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Please plan to join us again next month for the Academy's ONP Research Insights podcast when we'll be hosting another author and discussing their recent JPO article.